Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Nate. This is the Nate Show podcast. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Be sure to follow along on social media at the Nate Show on Facebook and at that's Nate Cox on Instagram. You can also ask Alexa or Siri to play the Nate Show podcast, and she'll start playing it. How about that? So thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. I am joined on the ISIL Nate show today by my dear friend Mandy Wild, and I was telling her right before we started recording here that she is now officially a part of the Nate Show Five Timers Club. She's officially been on the podcast twice. She's been on the Late Nate Show twice, and now she's on this show. This show, so that's five times. So um, here we go again. I'm just gonna let people probably, if they watch anything that has to do with me, probably know who you are by now. But if not, just go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mandy Wild. I've known Nate for a little while. We got together um, through comedy. And we have become friends through mutual interest and a love of Steve Martin's comedy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much. I think that I think that sums up our relationship. Yeah. One-sided memes about wrestling and two-sided memes <laughs> about Steve Martin. I was going to say, it's funny you said that because, you know, Don Rickles used to talk about if, if the wife, like if you got two comedians hanging out, two guys, for example, and the wives don't like each other, then you're not allowed to hang out with that person anymore we kind of did it backwards where i befriended your husband because i realized quickly that he had a love of wrestling and then it was yes. just you and i were already becoming friends at that point and that sort of sealed it i was like i'm gonna continue to come over and hang out at this house because i could talk with you about steve martin talk with him about wrestling and it was the perfect storm exactly yeah i like to describe me and aaron as the perfect storm just in general yeah <laughs> it's um i'll be honest with you and i i told you already um, I don't really have much prepared here. I just figured you and I usually have a sort like a, a natural dynamic where we just talk and it, we eventually figure it out. Um, yeah, we have a rapport. Yeah, we have you and I haven't done comedy in a while though. Uh oh. No, no, it's fine. I just dropped. I just dropped a lighter. <laughs> but I've got a dog on my lap that no one can see. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean yeah, like. Per- we had actually the last time we were, you know, I think it was the last time we were in the same room together. We were doing the late show um, downtown, and we had decided we were going to do a stand-up thing, and then all this craziness happened, and you know. Yep, yep. It was like, ooh, we should all get together because we had we had the whole lineup all agreed to do the show in the room together. <laughs> it was all, just yeah. like, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Yeah, everybody was like, yeah, totally, we'll totally do that, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, great. We had a venue, we had a place, we had people. It was great. And then it was like, you don't. So, yeah, you don't. We got so much done that night. We booked, like, a comedy event that night. We booked, like, some stuff over at 423 Social in Bristol. There was all kinds of stuff we were going to do just coming oh, yeah. out of that night. And then it was like, the virus was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Never mind. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people posting on like Facebook and Instagram and stuff about how like does anyone else feel like this was the year we were really getting our shit together but then now we're not it's just not possible now to have your shit together anymore like you just don't get to yeah it's uh it's not been you know it's not been fun like the first little bit was it's kind of weird for me because I was used to being home and on my own schedule all the time yeah you know, it wasn't, I mean, at any point you'd just see me pop in, you know, White Duck or wherever, wherever we were at and just chill out. But like now everyone's doing the same thing and it's weird, you know, but 
it was it's that natural feeling it's like when you're out of school for a little bit it's like it's fun at first and then the more you're home or the more you're like okay now i kind of want to go back <laughs> yeah no that's kind of how i feel like i don't miss being at work per se but i do miss everyone that i work with like because we were all like good work friends you know we don't hang out a whole lot outside of work but it was always nice being at work and i liked everyone i worked with and it was nice to go be social and see everybody and catch up and stuff and now it's like uh, i keep having this stupid thought that all of my i'm like keep thinking about all my friends and i haven't seen anybody in a while and i haven't been talking to people a lot and i'm like man really just letting all my friendships go and like what's going on and then i like duh mandy we're in the middle of a national quarantine for a pandemic you physically can't work on your friendships right now. It's just not a thing. I have to keep remembering that because it's like, man, why haven't I seen everybody in a couple weeks? At the same time, I'm like, no one leave the house. Everyone stay home. Yeah, I. Uh, that's how serious you're taking it is because I have a pop figure to bring you and I still haven't been allowed to bring it over. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. And it's the Recyclops from The Office. I it love is. that one. That's like my favorite Dwight. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't let you come over to drop it off for me. That is how serious I'm taking it. Elsa's going stir crazy. She was like, how about I come over and I stay on one side of the porch and you stay on the other side of the porch and we stay 12 feet apart the whole time and we just talk to each other for a while because poor Elsa is such a social creature. She's always hanging out with people, always going out and do stuff. She's like really thrives a lot in like social environments. So like, I don't know. I'm like a house mouse. I'm doing good. I'm like, the only thing I hate is that I can't. I'll get an inspiration to bake something, and then I'm like, I don't have the ingredients, and I can't just run to the store and get them. So I have to, like, think of something else to do. I love being at home. Well, that's what was funny was, like, that was my last time being at Walmart because I was in there, and you were like, you really probably shouldn't be out, and then I found that pop, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was, you were like, oh, I shouldn't be out, and I was like, okay, no, after now, you shouldn't be out. (laughs) Somehow, no one... Like, no one had touched any of the wrestling figures that I was looking at. It was like, it's almost as if there was a crisis going on and no one was going looking for action figures. Weird, I know. No, I did the, the last time I went to Walmart was a couple of days ago. And um, I went to the art supply section because I needed to get more, uh, to get more Mod Podge for my art. And wouldn't you know it, but all the craft section, full of stuff. No yeah. one's taking the craft supplies. Weird. Went to go get paper towels and toilet paper they were sold out but no one wanted the mod podge have you um and i feel like i kind of already know the answer to this have been have you been using this time to be creative or at least attempt to be creative because like i i know i find myself from okay now i can be creative and then i just sit down and just stare at a piece of paper with a laptop and <laughs> it takes a minute well the first the first few days i think i was too overcome with like stress and emotion and stuff because I was like I wanted to be creative I have all of the supply like if I angled the camera slightly to the right you would see a table that is just strewn with paint and so like my my little slips of papers like my paint samples that I use and like paint brushes it's a, it's a creative mess in here but I was just sitting here staring at it for a few days like I want to paint I want to be creative but I was just like with this like block where I just couldn't think of anything to do and I just you know I don't know you know how you sit down to write jokes and you're not funny so the jokes suck you know it's the same thing with trying to paint whenever you don't have any inspiration you try to paint and the painting sucks it's just not good you know you like can't get make your hands do whatever you know how they do you know well 
to be fair, me being not funny, that's how we met. So. <laughs> <laughs> what you did is you stole all my jokes, and then you went on stage. Yeah, it, we really did connect with like whatever the shower thing that first joke that I told. I just I remember seeing you in the crowd and being like, "Yeah, I agree with that." You know, so that made me feel. Yeah, good. no, I was all up on that man. Like, cause I was like, you made the same jokes about turning thirty and being afraid of the shower. And I think he made another joke that was that was pretty similar to the one that I wrote as well. And I was just like, I was looking at Elf and Mike, and I was like, how did this guy bite my material when he went first? <laughs> how is this possible? So then I had to get up on stage and tell the same joke, but in a different way. Um, but luckily, I knew you were in the crowd and totally felt the same. And I was like, that guy, that guy knows. I know you guys think this is funny because that guy already told these jokes, and you laughed then. So laugh now. <laughs> Was your, we may have already talked about this on a podcast, but how nerve-wracking was your first ever, like, experience telling jokes on stage? So, the very first time I ever did stand-up, ever, I was 16 years old, and I had, no, I think I was, I was 15 or 16, I was in high school. Was, uh, was R. Kelly there? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Or fortunately, no. It's 50-50. Yeah. Kelly was not there. Went to adjust my glasses, but I'm not wearing them. Um, but so I was 15 or 16, and I was in a drama class, obviously, because I would be. And my art teacher, my my drama teacher was Mr. Willis, and he was the super cool, like, he turned 60 the year that I uh, was in his class, and he introduced me to the Beatles and Pink Floyd and Monty Python and Abbott and Costello and, like, all this stuff. Like, he really introduced me to a ton of stuff. And we were putting on a play. It was a musical about pirates. It was the, right around the time Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Um, and we were putting on a play that was a musical about pirates. And I made, we were making posters to hang around the school so that people came to. We were doing a pre-show show where it was like a variety show, kind of like SNL, to raise money to put on the play so we could buy the scripts and make the costumes because the school, it was art. So the school obviously wasn't giving us any money to do it. So we had to do it ourselves. So I made this poster. I know this is a crazy long story, but I made this poster, um, and it was the type of poster you've probably seen this kind of thing before, where it's a bunch of words, and then like some of the words are bigger and in different colors, so those are what catch your eye. Yeah. I made one of I made one of those that was like the library, nine p.m. Thursday, that kind of thing, two dollars admission, but the whole rest of it was print about this big. That was just me going on and on and on and on. I just, I wrote, I, I had to have written like a book's worth of stuff because the print was really small and you had to get right up on it to read it. But I was like writing jokes in there and I was just like writing about random stuff, put some Robin Hood facts and all this other stuff. It was it was a crazy long amount of things talking about how you should come to our show because we're really funny and all this stuff. And Mr. Willis, he, he loved the poster and he read it and he was like, you know, I think that you would be really great at stand-up comedy. And I was like, really? Do you think so? Because I've always been like a class clown. Not the kind that like disrupts the class, but always the kind of person who like would always make jokes about everything. Like I would write joke answers on my test and they would be, they would be correct, but I'd be writing them in the form of a joke. Uh, so for that variety show, I ended up doing my first bit of stand-up ever, which I still remember the jokes that I told for my stand-up. Uh, they were actually pretty funny for a 15-year-old writing them. I made everybody laugh. I got, I think I got so euphoric that I ran an actual mile 
around the football track after the show because everyone in the crowd laughed at my jokes. It was probably the best experience of stand-up I've ever had. <laughs> been chasing that dragon ever since. I, what was the question? You the said, was I nervous? <laughs> yeah, was it nerve-wracking at all? It was not because I was an uninhibited, crazy 15-year-old. What I wore to do stand-up for the first time was a pair of Jinko jeans that I had split all the way up the side to my waist and, like, this shirt that said on it, old people think I'm retarded. And then I was wearing, like, a beanie, and I had blonde hair down to my butt and, like, was wearing, like, spike wristbands and stuff. I didn't give a fuck whatsoever. Now, my first adult time doing stand-up, yes, it was very nerve-wracking because I had learned things like shame and embarrassment and, like, uh, what's that What's that survival mechanism? I learned all those by the time I was, like, 18 or so, 19 on stage doing it again. Um, but the first time, I didn't worry about it because I had that uninhibited confidence of teenagers where I made people laugh all the time. So there's no way I couldn't make people laugh now. Uh, although I did feel a little bit bad because my first, my first type five was uh, about Santa Claus and how parents lie to their kids all the time. So, of course, teenagers lie to their parents all the time. And uh, I totally revealed to these, like, five, like, uh, there's, like, three or four, five or six-year-olds. I totally broke their Santa's not real cherry on accident because that was the, the point of the joke was that Santa didn't exist. And I saw their faces as I was telling the joke, and I was like, I can't back out now. Got to go with the joke. What's the point of the punchline without the joke? Uh, so that I felt a little bit bad about that. Um, but most people were laughing anyway. So. By the way, if there are any kids watching this... Um, and it's real. He's still real. I was for, wrong. Well, first of all, I question why you're, you're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> right? Where Second of all, Mandy's views do not necessarily reflect those of the Nate show. I... <laughs> might or might not believe that Santa's real, so. I was I was raised to believe that nothing was real except for this weird cult stuff that we believed. So, like, while all the other kids in first grade were celebrating Christmas, I learned what Santa Claus was by going to school and then faking my way through the holidays like I knew what the hell people were talking about, but I had no idea. I didn't know who Santa Claus was. I learned about him in first grade. I learned what Easter was in second grade. I figured out kind of what was going on with July 4th around 6th grade or so. It was a, it was a long it was a long journey. Halloween was always a pain in the ass because I had no idea what was happening. My mom definitely would not explain Halloween to me and I wasn't allowed to watch Halloween stuff or any of that stuff so I had to learn all of Halloween from school. So it wasn't until I was actually in high school that I figured out what the hell was going on with that. You know, this has nothing to do with anything. I was going to say like this may get me in trouble. You know how sometimes when like celebrities or people die and I tell you, you know, it'd be really cool if we cared about these people. Like, I don't know when they were alive. Right. Yeah. So this is a harsh segue to make. It's a long way to go for me to make this reference. The Halloween movies. Have you seen the? So you've seen them since then, like specifically the Michael Myers movies. Have you seen them since? I've watched all those classic horror movies now. The third one, which has like nothing to do with anything. The season of the witch. Mm -hmm. Remember has like the killer commercial or whatever. Yeah, that was a weird plot line. That's so many people's, like, cult favorite Halloween movie now. But I always think, like, whenever... Yeah, exactly. Whenever I hear people say that, I'm like, you know, it would have been cool if, you know, you liked it when it came out because there's a lot of actors and directors that, like, don't have jobs and are, like, broke because you didn't like it when it came out. <laughs> right, back in the so. day. It, 
if you had if you had actually enjoyed it, but it's a bad movie. That's why oh, it's, it's a terrible. Classic, like the room. I think what's the what's the worst horror movie you've ever seen? Not foreign horror movies because there's a lot um, of bad Japanese horror movies. Man, that's tough. I wish. It's tough. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, the first one that comes to mind to me is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, man. Okay. On Elm Street. Uh, Halloween H2O, while we're on the topic of bad horror movies. That's, that's one I would nominate. Yeah. Even though it did have yeah. Tyra Banks in it. Tyra Banks does not save a movie. <laughs> um, let's see. There's also... Freddy vs. Jason was, like, so bad it was good yeah but then they did jason x where it was in space and that movie was just so bad it was bad <laughs> i forgot about jason x it was bad it was really well, bad the meta go ahead uh, the, the meta callbacks in the holodeck whenever he kills those two teenage girls and they're like we love smoking pot and having premarital sex lol and then he kills them that was that was funny but the rest of that movie was really bad most people forget that, like, in the first um, Freddy Krueger movie, that, like, that's Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Like, it sucked Glenn. into the bed. Yeah. Yep. That was his first movie. That was, yeah, that was his first acting credit ever. And then he went on to do Platoon. He was Periscope Guy in Platoon. And then he got on to 21 Jump Street uh, for a while. He was there. He did that for a couple of years. And then I want to say, what did he do after that? A lot of weird stuff. He did, like, The Man Who Cried, Chocolat, um, Don Juan DeMarco. That was so, a weird movie. Okay, so here's I may have told you this once before. So Papa John's used to have this deal. Like, if you know, back in the day, we used to do, like, mail-in stuff. Like, if you collect, like, five proof of purchases, you mail it in, they'll send you something or whatever. Papa yeah. John's was doing that, and, like, if you ordered so many pizzas they'd send you a free movie like in just like a little slip cover and that was the one they sent me was Don Juan DeMarco (laughs) (laughs) why? so I'm I'm very familiar with that movie it's him and Marlon Brando yeah like it's it's not a great movie but I just remember it fondly I yeah I remember it pretty fondly I watched it so back in high school here's another you ready for another long story about me being in high school so back in high school Christ the Caribbean came out and I was already into historical stuff. Like, I loved Robin Hood and Joan of Arc, and I loved Pirates and Blackbeard and all that stuff. I was already into that. And then uh, Pirates of the Caribbean came out, and all at once, puberty hit me all at one time when I saw Johnny Depp, and my body was immediately flooded with female hormones. And I became obsessed with him for, like, five years. And I'm talking, like, obsessed. Like, I celebrated his birthday I would print pictures of them off the internet, and then I, like, pasted them into this journal that I had. And the peak of this, I noticed none of this is surprising, because I was a teenager in 2006, and everyone was obsessed with Johnny Depp. But the peak of this was that I watched every single Johnny Depp movie that he ever made. Even tiny, uncredited roles that were just made for TV movies, everything. I watched every single thing that Johnny Depp ever made. And let me tell you, Guy's a great actor. Most of his movies are terrible. Really unfortunate, but very, very, very true. A lot of his movies are really, really bad because he's like this indie guy who does a bunch of indie movies for like small directors and stuff, or at least he used to be. And my God, were they terrible. So, like, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh no, that's it. That's it. They're just bad. I like. I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember if he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape or not, and he was. He is. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio. Um, I like Johnny. I like Depp. that movie. Um, I think Johnny Depp's a great actor. I I felt like after Pirates, though, more of his roles turned into that. Him doing more of that character, which is fine. If I mean, if that's why you go see the movie, it's cool. But I, I thought that it hit a wall, which is why some of his movies have bombed since then. When he was revealed, spoiler alert, in Fantastic Beasts, because I thought then it just becomes like I feel like he's a bit too distracting sometimes. Yeah, I felt well, like, like that story was going well, and then you introduced Johnny Depp, and I was like, okay, now that's going to be the focus of this. So, well, it's like a. It's like a Tom Cruise movie. Like, one time I was in the theater, and I was watching a preview for a movie before whatever else I was there to watch. I think it was like a Marvel movie or something, I don't remember. But I was watching this preview for a movie, and I was so into the preview. I was like, man, this looks awesome. They're like jumping cars over helicopters. I love a good car jump over a helicopter. I love that shit. And they were like shooting guns, and like people were running, and there were spies and stuff. And I was like, this looks like a good movie. And then the camera pans, and it's Tom freaking Cruise. And I'm like... I am instantly pulled out of this universe because that's Tom Cruise. I don't care who you tell me that is. It was a Mission Impossible movie, by yeah. the way. I don't care who you who he's supposed to play. He's Tom freaking Cruise, and I can't see him as anything else. It just takes me out of my immersion. I didn't mind him in like Collateral as like a hitman or whatever. I thought he was pretty badass doing that. But mm-hmm. the Jack Reacher stuff... I wasn't a fan of because Jack Reacher is supposed to be like a big hulking, you know, dude that's like whatever. And it's like Tom yeah. Cruise is like a foot shorter than me, you know. Tom Cruise so, is famously a small man. Yeah. Famously short and such, yes. That's, but that's that's the problem with all big celebrities. It's why, like, Brad hasn't been, Brad Pitt hasn't been in a movie other than, like, Quentin Tarantino films in years and stuff like that. Once you become too big of a name, you just stop being an actor and start being like a face, especially if the movies aren't of high quality. Cause then it's like you were just using your face to make money, which is fine. If my face made money, I do that same shit, but I do kind of want to watch movies that are good and not just movies that are like vanity projects for Jennifer Aniston. That's um, speaking of, that's why Tom Cruise turned down the role of Iron Man. Cause he didn't want his face covered. Good. I really prefer Robert Downey Jr. to Tom Cruise by yeah. a large margin. I, I at their at their best and at their worst, I still prefer Robert Downey Jr. Cocaine addicted, gambling problem Robert Downey Jr. over Tom Cruise any day of the week. Always Maybe because Robert Downey Jr. is not in a weird cult that controls women. Yeah, there's there's that too. Um, yeah, there's that. But I'm and always that. interested in the stories of like there are people, whether good or bad, that like missed out on some of the Marvel roles. Like, Emily Blunt turned down two different roles because she had other things filming. She was the first choice for Black Widow to begin with instead of Scarlet. And then I forget what the other one was. Uh, Maria Hill. She was going to be Maria Hill as well, I think. And then she had to turn each of them down. But now it's looking like she's going to be in Fantastic Four. So, whatever. Could they they stop stop making Fantastic Four movies? (laughs) Could they stop? Well, there's at least a chance that like these will actually be good. I don't know. I saw this today, by the way. You and I talk about this all the time. Uh, Disney mm-hmm. Plus has been putting like X Men logos on their stuff lately, like as like little subtle hints. So that's exciting. I I like a good X Men movie. I would love if they made a Fantastic Four movie, 
that was worth a damn whatsoever. Because the Fantastic Four has always been my favorite superhero group. Like, the four of them together. I, I, they were the first comic book I ever read, was the Fantastic Four. So they hold a fantastic place in my heart. Um, but every movie iteration of the Fantastic Four has been hot garbage. And it's, like, been the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, why do they keep doing this? Every Fantastic Four movie is terrible. It's like they're cursed. And then there was that one that they put out just so that the studio wouldn't lose the rights, and they only spent $2 million making the movie, and they released it to theaters, and it was so bad. Yeah, it's it's never good when, like, the director of the movie comes out against it, like, before it comes out. He's like, yeah, this is not the movie that I made. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, oh, that's never a good sign. I wish they would just stop doing that. Make a Fantastic Four, like, or do it like they did, um... Do it like they did Spider-Verse and not make it live action. Make it like a, an animated one. Because then Doctor Doom isn't lame in a cartoon. Like, he doesn't look stupid and sound like a moron in a cartoon. It makes more sense. I think if you if sense. you do live action, I think you still probably need to CGI Doctor Doom. I don't think you can have... You have someone voice him, but don't have someone be him. I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Unless you're having, like, Andy Serkis do his motions, you can trust him with stuff like that. But other than that, yeah. I wouldn't trust anyone else. Well, it's the man in the iron mask from the man in the iron mask is not a very intimidating guy. And Dr. Doom, without his actual, like, you know, Doom, kind yeah. of boring and stupid. Especially since so many of the Fantastic Four movies have also gone out of their way to make establishing, like, origin stories. So they've got to do the origin story for the Fantastic Four, and they have to do the origin story for Doctor Doom, and they have to do the origin story for, like, the entire pyramid of everything. So we never get to see Doctor Doom actually be doomy. We just see him, like, rise to power and be like, oh, I'm evil, I'm going to do all sorts of stuff. And then the Fantastic Four is like, no, you're not. And then he's like, oh, foiled again, like a rip-off Magneto, and he just falls into the ocean or whatever the hell he does. And then they made that Galactus movie, and Galactus wasn't even a guy. He was just a bluff cloud. Oh, that was, yeah, like, that's, that's bad. So, I was like, I went to see Galactus, Eater of Worlds, and I went to see some worlds get et, and it didn't happen. I'll, I've been telling you this for a while, whether it's like, because, you know, we've talked about the DC universe as well. Whether it's DC or whether it's, I know you were a big Game of Thrones fan, when bad decisions start being made in, in those shows and movies like i usually don't feel sorry for fans of those people because i've been a wrestling fan for a long time <laughs> so you're used to the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows so like when you yeah when you reminded me just now of galactus being a cloud i was like yeah that's something that would happen in wrestling it's just you take something potentially that should be super cool and badass and just make it not that who who made the decision to make Galactus a giant? I'm sorry, you think a guy that's the size of a galaxy coming in to scoop up planets like M&Ms and just chomp down on them and absorb their mass and their power, was that not cool enough? Like, did you want all the focus to be on the Silver Surfer? Because you can have the Silver Surfer be a badass and have Galactus be, you know, the eater of worlds. And it both be, it worked in the comic books. I don't see why it wouldn't work on screen. I just, I'm so tired of superhero origins. It's like super, comic books have been out for like a hundred years. We all know Batman's parents get shot. Superman's from an, from another planet. Uncle Ben is dead. They went into space and got radiated. The Hulk is full of gamma radiation. We all 
know all of this already. There's no reason Both. for me to see any of this happen again. Both of the Spider-Man iterations, the MCU version and the Spider-Verse version, I thought were both great at just, like, yeah, you already know the story. Exactly. I thought Spider-Verse handled it best. They're like, oh, you know, and then they try to do the, they did the um, origin stories for everyone at once, and it's just yeah. like, no, 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 we're moving past this. We know what happened. We're just going on with it. If I have to see Uncle Ben die one more time, I'm going to kill that old man myself. I am tired of it. Because um, we can't, we can't, you you can't have a guarantee that you're going to be able to build up a big franchise like the Fantastic Spider-Man or like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or Dark Knight or any of the other stuff. You can't guarantee that you're going to be able to build up a big franchise like that. So I'm tired of them wasting time on the origin stories when the origin story is kind of boring and you don't get to see them fully be the superhero. You just get to see them struggle up to become the superhero. I'm tired of the struggle. I want to see people kick ass already. I want them to see them be full-powered and be Spider-Man and be the Invisible Woman and be Superman and not have to worry about, like, getting there. I want to see them while they're there because a superhero success story doesn't stop at being a superhero. That's where the struggle starts, is being the superhero. So... i got a lot of opinions <laughs> Um... Before we get even deeper and distracted, because I, I feel like a lot of this stuff is stuff that I'll also talk about with Elf as well when I have her on. Like, cause that's, Elf's a way bigger DC fan than me. <laughs> she has a lot more to say. That's what happened that one time when I was at your house we were recording. She came in and it just became, yeah, that was what it was. But, you know, we were originally talking about using this time to try and create things. And I think we had somehow we drifted to here from doing stand-up or whatever. But... Yeah, somehow. That piece behind you, is that something you've been working on during this time? Yeah, so this is... Let me just... Get the canvas closer and adjust the camera. And I also want to point out that I have your Instagram, Mandy Wild Paintings, up on the screen. You can't see it on your end, so people can already kind of see where to follow you. But, yeah, there's a few different options if you want to point out where they can find your stuff at. Great. Well, Mandy Wild Paintings is a good place. I also have a Twitch that I stream myself. Let me get in the camera. I also have a Twitch where I stream myself doing my paintings and stuff every once in a while. That's uh, Art in the Wild on Twitch.tv. Um, yeah, those are the two places. I also have a website, M-A-N-D-I-W-I-L-D.com, MandyWild.com. So, this, yeah, let me just smack this. This painting right here is one that I've been working on for a couple of days. And I want to get the camera. Oh, look. It's cheeseburger okay so i want to get the camera there we go get it focused in focus camera okay cool so this painting here it's um supposed to be like the stormy seas and like really angry thunderous angry clouds and stuff like that and then there's going to be a sailboat right around here that i have to make out of paper and then there's going to be saint elmo's fire coming off of it and kind of like streaming across the the sky here. The movie it's with Rob be- Lowe? Yes, I'm going to put Rob Lowe <laughs> right around here. Sorry. Right over here in the sky like like Mufasa. Rob Lowe <laughs> over here. I thought about putting in a mermaid but then I thought... It could be, di- it would be Demi Moore. So you say, you know. Anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to be funny and it's not working. Go figure. <laughs> Story of your life, eh? <laughs> Just kidding. Nate's a very funny guy. Um, so what I did to make this is uh, I, can you can you re- kind of tell on the camera 
the different I can get the camera kind of closer. So this is is this kind of the same thing you did with another piece that you made that I'll show off here in a second that I happen to be in possession of? Did you do kind of the same thing with that? Like yeah. texture wise? Okay. So I, I, I kind of got the painting up really close to the camera now so you can see. So you can kind of see these delineations and lines and stuff are where I put the different colors of paper and strip the paper and stuff. Um, and the reason I do that is one, because of the texture that it gives. And two, because I use kind of watered down paint a little bit. I watered down my paint a tiny bit so that the original colors show through to the like to the actual painting. So the, all of this stuff down here was different shades of blue that I put in. You can kind of see them underneath a little bit in the different delineations of color. And then up here with the sky, I used all purple, light, light purple for the clouds and like a bluish green for the sky here and kind of like went over them with paint, um, thinner, thin paint to like kind of give it a veneer and stuff. Um, and I like to do the thing where I outline all of the stuff to give it kind of like... <sighs> I don't know, I'm kind of mimicking uh, a few of the more classic art styles, like from the Edo period of Japan and whatnot, uh, where they would make hyper-realistic stuff, but then outline it with uh, black to give it kind of like a more inset kind of look. Yeah. Makes it pop a little bit. Yeah, so all of this was done with little strips of paper, and it took me uh, it took me about a day to get all the paper down, and it took me about another day to get the colors and stuff. The clouds were really hard. It's really hard to do clouds because... Um, well, they're a pain in the ass, and uh, you want the colors and the highlights and everything to be just right because you don't want people to look at it and go, oh, that's a blob. You want people to look at it and go, oh, those are storm clouds. Definitely, yeah. Angry, stormy sky. Well, speaking of angry and stormy, I'm going to have you do theater of the mind here because you can't see what's on my screen at the moment. But you mm-hmm. you did this, so you know what it looks like. So speaking of uh, ang- yes. angry and stormy, there. <laughs> is me. This was a piece that Mandy did for me, I think a couple months or so, or a month or two ago. And it's like... I had a turn so I can look over my shoulder. It's like my favorite thing ever. Yeah, so the thing here was I was on a TV show called, I think it was an episode of Killer Couples that I did where, spoiler alert, I allegedly shot someone. And this was the face that I gave the guy as he rang me up at the cash register. So, yeah, there's that. And another... Um, one second here. Another good example of Mandy's artistic style is this um, Funko Pop figure <laughs> 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 that she did for me. That has been. Whenever you watch this video back, you'll laugh because it's been sitting right over my right shoulder the whole time. Oh, nice! Uh, so yeah, and she did the whole packaging and everything on it. So yeah, this I made is... it. I made it intentionally low quality because that is for some reason what makes Nate laugh the most is when something is intentionally <laughs> poor quality. <laughs> now, if you'll just do a, uh, a painting of cheems for me, it would be even better. Oh, my God. It's fine <laughs> oils. I've got a couple of other things that I've been yeah, working so on. Show me. While the, during the quarantine time, I've got to move this stuff. This is stuff that I did a long time ago. Although, but for people who haven't seen it, so this is the kind of stuff that I generally do. This is, um, these are dogwood plumes. And if you look really closely, they're also made out of paper. I cut out each individual blossom, and then I paint it to look three-dimensional like a flower, and then I put it onto the canvas. I have some tulips over there that you can't see. 
most of my paintings are on the wall, so they're kind of hard to show because that's how I decorate. Oh, here's a little, here's a little barn that I did, a little tiny barn, and then I made the sky and the ground out of. See, I can do clouds. I can do clouds really well. Just, those clouds are a pain. Um, let's see. This was a picture request. This isn't done with paper or anything. This is done just traditional style, but I did use um, deco medium to give texture to the cornfield. Well, not the cornfield there. Supposed to be goldenrod flowers. But someone asked me to paint this and see more clouds. See, I can paint clouds. Very insistent I can paint them. But see, here's paint clouds and then a nice textured field with a little barn and stuff like that. You know Jesse. Jesse asked me to paint this. Yeah, okay. Of course he did, right? His whole house is decorated just like this. And then I've got one other one that I did. I've got, oh, it's really shiny because it has a lot of, uh, like, the medium on it. Hang on, let me turn off this light real quick. The shine is off. So, yeah, then I got this bad boy right here, which I made the frame around it out of, like, paper. It's gold paper with black paint and uh, copper paint and stuff. And then, get really close, see the curtains and everything are made out of paper, and her dress is, like, 130 different little bits of paper with the stage each individual board is a different piece of paper that I put together and whatnot it's a really fun way to do it it's like making a puzzle for myself and then putting the puzzle together and then painting the puzzle and then suddenly the puzzle is art it's a lot of fun to do there you go. and it good. adds a lot of depth yeah, I really like that one yeah I like it too Mike says that it's pretty but it's creepy which is exactly what I was going for so I'm happy <laughs> also see she has no face that's what makes it so creepy you want to make something creepy take away the face creepy yeah. instantly people don't like it when there's no face yeah this one, this one was a lot of fun i each individual like fold of the curtain is a different piece of paper so i had like let me see there's like 30 different pieces of paper because each individual thing here is also its own thing and stuff it was a lot of fun but um tedious tedious work with an exact knife that's yeah it. that's like legitimate work this exact exacto knife right here Oh, let's see. Oh, burger. <laughs> just rising into view for just a moment. I was going to ask you if now. she was uh, if she was nearby at the moment. Oh, yeah. She's a uh, Hanley. Here she is. She's trying to nap. Burger, say hello to your adoring fans, little pug. She's like, no, I don't nah, have I'm good. Fans. Hey. He's trying to nap. She's a little sleepy thing. <laughs> Oh, sleepy. Mish, mish. Poor little sleepy thing. There we go. I also like being able to see your extensive, uh, some of your extensive pop collection there in the background. I've got some of mine in the background as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just keeps going. And then I've got the rest of them very ceremoniously uh, in a pile. The stack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very ceremoniously thrown in a pile. Um, because I had all my pops at the computer desk I'm sitting at right now. And then um, I got a computer. Yeah. Which I've been waiting for for years. So now I have like a dual monitor system and a bunch of other stuff. But I don't have anywhere to put my pops. And I got this shelf, which is great. But it only holds like 70 pops. And I've got like 250 of them. So they're over there. <laughs> 
I've got all my favorite ones at the front so I can look at them. So, I was going to ask yeah. you what, I mean, I think I may ask you this before, but like, do you have a specific favorite one? Like a prize possession? Like a prize pop that I, mm, well, let me see. Let me, let me take a gander at my children. I've got, I think my, my one where if someone was like, you have to get rid of all your pops except for one, it's a two-way tie. And it would be really hard. But it's between the, I've got the Princess Bride chase with Wesley where he's wearing the mask. I've got that one. And then I've got um, that Coraline in raincoat chase where she's wearing her hat with a little ice cream cone. So it'd be between those two because um, I love both Princess Bride and Coraline quite a lot. And they're like really rare. Also, they were both gifts. Aaron gave me the Princess Bride one and Mike gave me the Coraline one. You helped me. Tra- I don't know. You helped me track down. I'm not going to pull it down, but I've got that Carolina Michael Jordan behind me. You helped me track that one down, so I appreciate you for that one. Oh um, yeah. I've got the bronze Jordan up on the screen right now. That's probably the one that I would pick above the rest, and then I got the big 10 inch Jordan behind me as well. Yeah, I saw your setup. It looks really nice. Thanks. It's, pro- it's probably easier for you to choose a favorite one because, like, I was. I looked at these pops and I was like, okay. And then I looked back across the way at my giant pile and I was like, ugh, but yeah. all of those up there. Like, Mike got me the Vincent Van Gogh one, and then he's sitting right next to the Hey King Dwight that you gave me. And all my Conan pops are in a pile together so they can all hang out. I remember us searching I- for those Conan ones. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, but I remember us searching was- for those. I was going to ask if I had shown you that I got Steve Zizu from the Life Aquatic. You told me. I don't think I've seen it, but I remember you did tell me that. Yeah, it's it's staring at me right now. Newbies don't get a Glock, man. Stop looking at me. I got, um, and again, you can't see this, but this Marvin, the Martian one that I've got up on the screen was, it's the Duck Dodgers Marvin. It's like the first, it was the first pop that I ever bought. That's awesome. And it's special because I got it um, at that place in Pigeon Forge that we like so much there in the island. And it's just one of those things where, like, also the person I was with, it was, like, she had actually gotten me into these or told me about them. So when I saw, like, this store that had, like, a huge supply of them and I saw my guy Marvin just sitting there, I was like, yeah, I'm going home with that one. I can't even go into Buck Ford, too, because it's, like... (laughs) I only bring a certain amount of money for vacation, and I can't spend all of it in there, but God, do I want to. I only have one autographed pop, and oh, no. it's <laughs> it's this Daenerys one, but it's not autographed by <laughs> the actress that played... Well, she did play Daenerys, but it's comedian Alexis totally Clayton in Knoxville. Daenerys. Yeah, she did an exceptional job playing Daenerys at this roast we did, and she signed it for me. So I think you... Yeah, you gave me this pop. That's right. So I did, yeah. I remember I had that Daenerys in the box, and then you man. were saying that she wanted to find one, and I was like, I stopped caring about Game of Thrones already <laughs> a long time ago, so you can just have this. I don't, I don't care anymore. Can you believe? Uh, I went to GameStop like a few months ago, and they are still putting out new Game of Thrones pops. Yeah, like I've anyone seen those. cares? Like anyone cares about Game of Thrones anymore? Get out of here, man! Like, they ruined that show. They took my love for it, and then they squished it in their fingers, and it spewed out between their knuckles, and then they threw it in my face. And I hate them. Not the actors. The actors did a great job. Man, it sucks when a story's good, and then it just turns to shit. That's the worst. And I watch it happen every week. (laughs) I mean, I could handle a bad story 
it's just the fact that they didn't care at all, and you could tell. Like, wrestling stories can be bad, but you can tell that the people are putting their all into making it as bad as they can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. at least they're trying on that one. But with the Game of Thrones, you could tell that they just obviously stopped caring. They just didn't give a shit. They even said that they didn't care what the, what the fans thought about the season and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, cool. So I personally have spent thousands of dollars on Game of Thrones, and I don't matter at all. You realize you wouldn't be famous without people like me, right? Like, you should care about the fans, because without the fans, you wouldn't have made billions of dollars, you jerks. At least with... I always try to get people to understand this when it comes to... I keep turning everything into a wrestling thing, but the people that the show is typically engineered to aren't the same people that go on message boards and post. Like, they're usually kids. Like, the show's really for kids. At least WWE is. I don't know about you know, yeah. AEW or whatever, but, like, it's always been that way. So that's... And here's another thing that, like, gets on my nerves. I'm just kind of ranting to you because you kind of understand what this is like. Yeah. I think that wrestling fans in particular are, like, the most fickle people ever because... They'll complain that, like, a new character or a new star isn't being made. But then when you try to do something different with someone, they complain about that, too. So it's just like, okay, well, what exactly are my options here? Right. That's that's every fandom, man. Like, Star Trek has been doing the same thing. You turn everything into Star Trek. I turn everything into wrestling. I turn everything into Star Trek. Star Trek has been doing the same thing, and their fans have been doing the same thing. Everyone's like, we want new Star Trek, we want new Star Trek, and then new Star Trek comes out, and everyone's like, oh, not like that, not like that. Me too. I am also that pretentious wad who is doing that same thing. (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm better than all these other people. I am definitely like that. But it's just, some people hate things just because they're new. Some people hate things because they're not exactly the way that they want it to be. Some people hate things just because they have no understanding of storytelling and dynamic power plays within individual tropes. You know what I mean? Like people just hate stuff just to hate it. And you can't you can't cater to the haters, yeah. or else you're just gonna make stuff that's terrible. Because generally, haters have really bad opinions. And I think of I think of your husband as a reasonable person, but I think one of the last times I was over there, he and I talked about what they were doing with uh, Bray Wyatt and his character, where he was like, he's like this deep, this dark demonic character, if you don't know and whatever. So, and he would wrestle and he had this like ominous red light and like the arena was dark and it would just be like this red light. It was kind of disorienting, but it was cool, whatever. But a lot of fans, your husband included, were like, I don't know about the light. I think we could do without that. So they finally got rid of that. And then like a month or so later, he lost the title to Goldberg in two minutes. And then, so then fan, ah. fans complained about that too. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we, we got to, <laughs> there's no like, middle ground. Like, yeah. No, there's no middle ground. Because that's the thing is that, like, there was an equal amount of people who liked it to hated it. Yeah. People that hate it are complaining that it's going. And then the people who liked it are complaining that it's over. So it's like, you're never going to make anyone happy. Ever. Yeah. You might as well just do it. And then like, you know, you know unless, unless it's in horrible taste. You know what's great, though, is, like, I've seen this thing on Facebook, like, the unpopular opinion thing, where, you like, mm-hmm. you name ten things that you hate. So many people have Seinfeld on their list. And you know what? I understand. Like, even though I'm a fan of the show, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see why someone would not like it. Yeah, Aaron doesn't like Seinfeld. <laughs> I get it. I really do. And it stresses me out to watch it sometimes. I'm just like, why am I watching this? But 
Well, he doesn't think it's stressful. He just doesn't think it's funny. Yeah. Of course, you know yeah. that you know that I have that opinion about one of your favorite shows. So. Uh, yes, yes. You're very <laughs> vocal about that opinion, but that's fine. I think, I mean, honestly, I think that the evolution of the sitcom can be seen most dynamically throughout the ages using like Seinfeld and Friends and Always Sunny and like King of Queens and things like that. You can kind of like see the evolution of society through those types of sitcoms because Seinfeld and Friends ran simultaneously at a certain amount of time, like Seinfeld and then Friends and then Friends, Seinfeld. Um, And like the evolution of how people saw life in New York and saw the life of 30-somethings and kind of like saw their goals for the future and the way storylines are written and stuff, it kind of really changed a lot when Seinfeld stopped being the zeitgeist and it moved on to like stuff like Friends being the, the main popular like sitcom of all time because now you get stuff like Friends being sold at Fox Lunch and Friends merchandise being really popular and old stuff like that kind of coming back but Seinfeld has kind of like fallen into this like little niche yeah. category where people are like oh you know what's your favorite 90s show and no one's saying Seinfeld except for people who watched Seinfeld back in the 90s it's just not as accessible now to people who are watching it fresh people who've never seen Seinfeld before they go to watch it now they're just like what's happening you have to kind of understand Seinfeld the guy before you even watch Seinfeld (laughs) the show to understand what's happening because so many of the episodes the early episodes at least are based around stand-up jokes that he's done or based around observational jokes that he's already established as being in his Seinfeld-ness yeah so then like if you don't have a general understanding of the dude then the show is kind of like falling flat. You're like, who are these Jamaicans? You, you Why almost, are they doing any of it? Some of the stories carry over, obviously, but you almost have to watch each episode, each episode of Seinfeld as if it's a bottle episode. It's just like a one-off because mm-hmm. they're so specific to, like you said, the jokes he's already written. I wasn't yeah. a fan of the show until I started trying to write and perform jokes. And then I started watching with an eye for, okay, I see he has that in his act, and now this is what it actually looked like when he experienced it and how he wrote it. So I'm kind of watching it backwards, which I think is what he's intending. I don't know, but, yeah. Here's a fun bit of trivia. Did you know that Friends is uh, kind of a Seinfeld spinoff? Yeah, So, and I also was going to say there was a period of time where they were on the same night on NBC and that Friends Mm -hmm. followed, like Seinfeld was the lead-in. So... That was around the time that they're airing overlap. But yeah, Lisa Kudrow plays the same character yep. in Friends as she does in Seinfeld. Only Ursula is Phoebe's twin sister, but, you know, Lisa Kudrow <laughs> obviously plays all the same. Yeah. And there's that one episode, which I'm sure you haven't seen, but there's that one episode where, uh, God, I can't remember. It's not Jamie, because Jamie was the husband from Mad About You. Uh, Elaine from Seinfeld and uh, Helen Hunt yes. from Mad About You went to Central Perk and thought that Phoebe was Ursula, and they had a whole <laughs> they had a whole three way episode mini moment right there between the three of them, which I thought was really funny because Mad About You, Seinfeld, and Friends all aired in New York City, yeah, all at the same time, and they all had three crazily different experiences in that same city within blocks of each other. They all lived, like, within, like, a few minutes of each other because, like, they would all run into each other all the time according to the crossover episodes. So it's like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. 
I drank a lot of caffeine, so I'm like kind of just a Oh, you're good. I, I just finished um, my second energy drink of the day. So, um, speaking of like crossovers and spinoffs and stuff, should the Brooklyn Nine-Nine New Girl episode have been better? Because I always feel like it should have been better. It should have been better. <laughs> I found Zoe Deschanel's character to be insufferable when taken out of her natural element and tried yeah, to put in yeah. uh, Brooklyn. It also felt very, very obviously like a shoehorned crossover. Well, like, and to, to that point about Zoe, too, though, if you're a fan of just New Girl and you don't really really care about Andy Samberg or Lonely Island or any of that, Andy Samberg can be super annoying to people that aren't ready for him. So, like, I, I get that, too. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't think that Andy would have been good on the set of New Girl, and I, I don't think that Zoe was very good on the set of Brooklyn. Just because it's not the the element didn't mesh. It didn't mesh up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like especially since they put. I know. I know the premise of New Girl is that the same as most sitcoms, where strange things happen in extraordinary circumstances. But I didn't feel like their interaction was very realistic, just to what human beings would do. Literally, if a cop comes up to you and flashes his badge and says, "I need your car for a pursuit," you will get out of the car, flash, scoot over. And let him drive the car and all this other stuff. Yeah. But I, I felt like the argumentative thing that was back and forth, while that was on brand for what they were trying to do, I just feel like it didn't, it didn't mesh well with like the rest of everything. I that's one of my least favorite episodes. It's, it's hard to do topic. those crossovers. Like, it's kind of not the same thing. But I was watching a video with Mel Blank doing voices for Looney Tunes, and it was the one where you have like. Bugs doing a Daffy impression and Daffy is being Bugs or whatever. And Hank Azaria was talking about how hard that is to mesh two voices that you do and try to make them sound like the other because he said you just end up meeting in the middle and it just sounds like both of them but not a particularly good version of either. Yeah. And so he was talking about like on The Simpsons he was trying to have like Apu sound like Mo and it just ended up sounding terrible and like how cool that was that Mel Blanc was able to do that and it's kind of the same way with those crossover shows it's kind of an anomaly when you have one that works because it's just two different universes yeah, and writing styles and all that stuff so i think the, the best crossover episode i've ever seen was the simpsons futurama crossover episode yeah uh, in like season 23 of the simpsons me and mike finished watching all 30 seasons of the simpsons two days ago <laughs> that's pretty legit I knew, I knew you were working on that so it took us two months of watching The Simpsons basically every day between two and like six hours a day watching The Simpsons just with it having been on, you know, we're not like sitting down wrapped only watching it, but like, you know, with it being on, it took us about two months. Well, did you feel that way with the Family Guy crossover episodes? Because I didn't like those as much either when they no, tried to do I, that. I, I'm not, I, I liked Family Guy's first four seasons. But after that, it kind of like just became samey, and I, I haven't really been a big fan of Family Guy since around season four or five. We was uh, so, uh, no. my good friend, or you know, I send you memes and stuff all the time. Uh, Nathan and I were watching a show that I think you'd appreciate. It's, I think it's on Cartoon Network. I know it's on Netflix. It's called We Bear Bears. I love We Bear. Yeah, Bears. that polar bear <laughs> is my dude, man. Well, Dimitri, I love yeah, that Dimitri guy. Martin. Yeah, I knew, I, yeah. We were just like looking for something on Netflix to watch the last time I was over at his house, and we stumbled. It was just sitting on that. We weren't about to click on it, and I was like, Dimitri Martin, because it was in the cast list or whatever. I was like, well, we got to have to watch this, and it was just like really funny. 
I love that. I'm love really that. glad that you know what that is and that I'm not crazy for, well, maybe I am, but that I know what it is and that I can talk about it now. So No, I, I like that show. I haven't watched a ton of it, but I first saw it whenever me and Aaron were on our honeymoon. There is not a lot to do on a cruise once you're done getting wicked trash and gambling. Uh, there's a lot of free time. So I spent a lot of time ordering uh, grilled cheese room service and watching cartoons. And We Bear Bears was on a crap ton in the <laughs> middle of the ocean. We Bear Bears. It's so perfectly like a Dimitri Martin character, too, because he like refers to himself in the third person, but it's done very like monotonously, and it's just it's perfect. It's just it is. I love whenever like so. I think it was uh, one of them had like dropped his phone onto the train tracks, and there was the bagel rat and all that stuff was going. I don't know if you remember that episode or not. But, no, I don't remember that one. But when the polar bear is trying to, like, calculate exactly how to solve a situation, it zooms in on him, and you see all the math equations in his head. It's just, like, it's so wonderful. Now, it's nice to see Dimitri actually doing, like, stuff still, because, like, I don't know, I think his stand-up is super hilarious, but it feels like any time he tries to have his own TV show or his own whatever, it just doesn't go well. Yeah, it, his, his humor is great. It just, like, it's such a it's kind of an acquired taste and it's hard for like a show. I remember watching his show that he had in comedy central there for a bit where he would do like sketches yep. and stuff. And it's funny, but it's like, it, it's a, it's such a niche, uh, niche, niche audience to try to catch on. Mm. Well, Dimitri's stuff is like, I don't know, flamboyantly bland. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the best way to describe it. That's the only way I can think of flamboyantly bland and I, over I think, the top with subtlety i think he's accidentally very intimidating because he's extremely intelligent and anytime mm -hmm. that you have that it's hard i think that's the way colbert rubs people too i just think no one wants like that to be like you don't ever want to feel like the guy talking to you is smarter than you and you can't yep. help but feel that with dimitri or colbert or any of those and they're from the same school pretty much too so like, I think yeah they, i mean you gotta you gotta be pretty smart to be able to pull off comedy successfully especially yeah. if your whole thing is being like the straight man to the comedy like that's that takes even more skill than being the funny guys to be the straight man and still like get laughs from it and when you are your own straight man it, it's even harder which is dimitri pulls it off somehow it's the it's the notebook the notebook is his straight man and he's the funny guy and the notebook <laughs> is the straight man that's why I'm forever enamored and just I marvel over Letterman because he was pretty much always the smartest person in any room he was in, but he was smart enough to know to play dumb and to be dumb. And it's just yep. such a great mix that he has. Dave. as far as Letterman has without <laughs> being very smart. I've been waiting to do that the whole interview. I've just been looking for a place to throw in Dave and that was it. Dave. David Letterman. David Letterman. <laughs> uh, I know I'm not supposed to be rubbing my eyes when I'm laughing right now, but it's too late. Whatever. I have finally gotten to the point where I'm not always touching my face. Now I'm only touching my face 70% of the time instead of 100% of the time. Yeah. Still, it's still better still that you touch me. your face as opposed to someone else's. Right. That's the whole thing. Like, touching my face. I get it. I get it. Don't do it. However, you know, human beings, we touch our face like a thousand times a day. Yeah. There's about a billion reasons to do it. Especially whenever you're, like, trying to scroll through the internet and you're just, like, sitting like this, with scrolling down on the mouse. And then you're like, oh, God, germ bridge right into my eyes, I guess. <laughs> 
I took a, uh, are you even like going outside and walking around any, or are you just staying cooped up? I'm taking the dogs out and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm going outside a little bit. I went, I'm like, not just... I went on a walk around my subdivision this morning and I walked like, I just passively, like with my headphones on, was just like deep in thought. And it was kind of like, at one point I was like, wait, where the hell am I? Cause I'd never like walked that far before. <laughs> so that was nice. That was enjoyable. I was trying to get Burger on camera again, but she doesn't want to. Yeah, it's, it's nice out there. I wanted to take Burger and Peanut to the park and maybe, like, let them run around a little bit. But everyone has that same idea. They're like, oh, we'll all go be alone together at the park with everyone there. What is it, Burger? What is it, Burger? Do you hear Michael in the kitchen? Nope. <laughs> smile for the camera, Burger. Can you smile for the camera? No, she's... Nah, she's she, gonna. Nah, she ain't about that today. No, she doesn't want. You don't want all the adoring fans, Bridger. Don't you want the adoring fans? Nope. She's she's good. Fine. Well, what else can we talk about before I go eat this meat lovers pizza that I've ordered? Oh yeah, it's getting. It's not quite there yet, there. but yeah. Yeah, you know, you need time to prepare. To yeah, and I don't, I don't want to keep place. you on here all night. We've already been on here almost an hour and a half, so. Really? Jeez. Well, yeah, we have, haven't we? <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about we talked about DC, talked about wrestling, talked about my painting, talked about my dog, talked about Johnny Depp. I can talk more about Johnny Depp, but it's probably not necessary. You know, this is probably going to bother, like, sticklers like me, but, and again, you can't see this. I have, like, your name on the bottom of the screen. But mm-hmm. it's it's not perfectly centered up, so it's going to bother me. And it's probably going to bother anyone else. You know how I am, though. Like, if something's, like one little thing's not perfect, I'm going to think that it was awful. But I've got to get back. Whenever all this is over, like, i got to get back on stage again. You know, i got to try to tell some jokes again. Although now it's, it's going to be, like, super clogged, because then everyone's going to be, like, trying to get the same gigs and stuff, so... That's how we make our own gigs. We could, I mean, honestly, like I know that, it, you know, Beth Tompkins, shout out, has been doing stuff in Knoxville, hosting open mics, like live streams like this. We should probably, I've talked to her about it, maybe do something like that. Or either join those or do some of these around. Maybe I could do one on here or something like that. I mean, I'm just now learning how to use Zoom, by the way. So <laughs> I was going to use that for this. Sorry, Burger, am I boring you? Yeah, I'm so used to seeing people yawn. Speaking of being on stage, I'm so used to seeing people yawn as I'm up on stage talking. So that was kind of poetic. But yeah, we gotta we gotta get back out there and do some stuff whenever it's time. Right, I'm sure we have a thousand jokes about being locked inside. Dewey Burger. Burger is so happy that I'm home every day, all day, all the time. I've never seen this little pug so happy and relaxed. Because all she does is lay on my lap for like twelve hours a day. I've and enjoyed. I've enjoyed seeing videos of how happy dogs are, and conversely, how irritated cats are. That now, like everyone's home, and they're just like, really, like this was like the one time that I had. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how Peanut feels because whenever we're not home, whenever Peanut and Burger are home alone, Peanut will just do zoomies as fast as she can all over the entire house and parkour off the walls and just freak out. It's like what she does whenever she thinks that we're not home. Mike's seen it firsthand. She thought that she was home alone, so she started doing zoomies all over everything, back of the couch, <laughs> everywhere. But, but now we've been home the whole time. Peanut has not had any time for zoomies, and I can tell it's starting to annoy her. She keeps, like, running around in a circle and then looking at me. 
Have you seen on Google, like, if you do a Google search of, like, it's like a big list of animals that, like, you can pull up a 3D image of the animal, and then you can, like, superimpose it into whatever room you're in on your phone. So, like, I was taking pictures with wolves last night. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you one of those pictures here in a minute. (laughs) Please do, yes. Uh, It was fun. I have not. I have not. I've been playing with my Snapchat filters a lot. There's a Snapchat filter where it's your Bitmoji. And you can, like, make it walk on stuff and around your room and, like, hold it in your hand and stuff with the AR technology, which I love, by the way, the altered reality technology. I love that stuff. That's about as close as I'm ever going to get to a holodeck, so I'm pretty into it. That's basically what this is with the animals. It just, like, it uses, like, that AR and puts it wherever. Like, I think I did some with lions and wolves and a shark as well. as There was a shark swimming above my bed, so that was nice. That's cool. Burger, shut up. Quiet, you. (laughs) I forgot to bring her off my lap, and now she's yelling at me. Mad. Yeah, no, she's a fussy little thing. She thinks she's the queen of all existence. She may or may not be right, but... So we still, and I will kind of wrap up with this, whenever all this is over, we still need to hit up the flea market and find yes. like some pops and some toys and such. Whenever all this is over and we have the go-ahead to go back out in the public, we're going to go pop shopping, we're going to go get some lunch, we're going to go to Mr. K's, we're going to do... All sorts of crap. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to throw you and Aaron and Marcy a birthday party. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I am I mean, right now I'm not thinking it's going to happen, but if it can happen, that would be pretty sweet. I but talked I to, um, you know, so I'm talking to you on here on a Thursday. I'm posting my video with Lance Adams on Friday, so on the 3rd. Oh, cool. Um, he is willing to, like, be a part of this wrestling party if we end up having it so and he has experience he has like the perfect and you'll see the interview with him but he has like the perfect voice for it he's a huge huge wrestling nerd like i am so he's he's all about it. he's ba- he basically is a wrestling character and i mean that as a compliment lance if you're watching this one don't mean that as a bad thing he's like the coolest dude on the planet so but yeah we've already got we've already booked people for the show we just need to make it actually happen yeah, I need to actually get it going, if if possible. 2020 may be the year of the least amount of parties I've ever thrown, simply because, like, can't have people around. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It is. Luckily, this whole thing is happening in the middle of, like, my party lull. It's like, January yeah. is generally my last party, but this year it was February for me and Rose's, um, me and Rose's anniversary. And then fun. I couldn't do a leak for your party. Yeah, that was that was probably like my favorite party ever. Walking into a room and there's like already three of me in there, and I'm like, <laughs> "Am I in here already?" I totally understand how people feel on the Twilight Zone with that uncanny valley thing of like, "What would you do if you walked into a room and your clone was standing there?" I'm like, "Well, I'd probably pour it a shot." If <laughs> my own experiences are any indication, I'm out of coffee. Yeah, I'm ready for the next party whenever it's it's time again. I'm going to throw a quarantine is over party and I had better see everyone I've ever met in my life coming in, coming to that. Cause it's like, we got to get out of the house. I know everyone's going to be bursting at the seams to come to come to a party after we all out of the house. I think if we time it well with this wrestling party, I think it'll be perfect because I think people will be ready to wrestle and just take out some <laughs> quarantine aggression. On people. Right. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> we might have to have some waivers, some legal documents made up just so that we're not getting in any trouble, but you know, that won't be the first party where I've made people read signage and sign documents. So <laughs> I, for the Wade Boggs party, not Wade Boggs party, for the always sunny party. The first year I did it, 
I made people like agree verbally and there were signs all over the place that uh, if they got alcohol poisoning, it was not my fault. Did you, is that the one where you had the, you, did you have the shirt on with the tallies on it? I love that, man. It's so cool. Oh yeah. I think the what, Hey Mike, how many, how many beers did Gareth drink to win that? Like 26 or something? <laughs> It was ridiculous. It was like almost 30 or over 30. In fact, he, he drank a fuck ton of beer. That's um, a... And people people were sick, man. People were like throwing up and couldn't handle it. So much beer was drank. It makes me want to not do that ever again, but also do it at every party. <laughs> That's baseball, baby. That's baseball. Got all the numbers. That's right. Burger, you jumped off my lap. Don't make, don't be mad now. I basically, I, I know you're already aware of this, but like I've basically watched like enough always sunny clips like on YouTube and Facebook just to be able to kind of keep up with you and pretend that I know what's going on. Like I filled in a lot of the gaps just from watching that stuff. So, well, yeah, I generally only quote the most quotable moments, but there is an always sunny quote for every single moment of every single day. Like there's. An always sunny quote is relevant to like basically everything that's ever going to happen because they've covered so many subjects and they have so many weird conversations. It's just weird how well it. That was burger. She was messing. Shout, uh, shout out to my good friend Alex Osborne, host of the What's Your Spaghetti Policy podcast, by the way, because he's <laughs> he's a massive, obviously a massive Always Sunny fan. Him and his uh, oh, yeah. co-host Jacob are big fans, and they always have quotes and stuff on deck. So shout out to them. They do a great job. We should invite them to the Always Sunny Wrestling Party. Yeah, I, I'm planning on it, and I'm trying to get at least one of them on here at some point, too. So, hey, Peanut. But I'm going to let you up. Oh, she's gone. I'm going to let you. You're already. I was going to say you're getting a head start. I was going to let you get another uh, cup of coffee. I know you'll be drinking coffee all day. and uh, I will. I'm about to I dig in. I'd... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I was just thought I'd show off Peanut to the world since I always show off burgers. But I also, I also have a peanut, the lesser known of the pups, peanut. They're both and very, very good dogs. Yes, peanut will not stop looking at her uh, her reflection in the in the monitor. Is I that feel you, that. Peanut? Is it you? I She's feel like no. I um, I'll be honest with you. Like when doing these, like you know, webcast or whatever, I'm never sure where to look because there's two different images of you on my screen. There's the Skype window and then just the OBS window. So I usually just meet in the middle and look at myself the whole time. <laughs> there you go. I had the camera like to the side. Yeah. And my monitors right here. That's and I smart. did that specifically because I get distracted by myself on screen a lot. So I did that so I could look at the camera over here and not be as distracted on screen. I am uh, I'm looking to invest in a new webcam so that I can have two different webcams. And that way I can do kind of the same thing. So that's a good idea. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. And I use uh, I use the two cameras for... I have a camera that is focused on the main canvas that I'm working on, and then I have a camera that is focused on, like, I've got this little messy setup here, but I've got, like, my X-Acto knives and my stuff and whatnot, so I have another camera that's on the detail work so that you can kind of see everything that's going on. So that's a... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, it's one of those streams on Twitch that has a girl in it, but you can't really see my face or anything like that for the whole stream because it's only focused on the art. Maybe I should change that. Maybe I should lure people in with the girl and then get them interested. That's how the internet works. Now you save that for OnlyFans.com. You, you That's right. Sexy <laughs> art streams. OnlyFans.com. <laughs> I may start doing one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do one of those. Um, you totally should. Totally do you have... You have a podcast. 
Yeah. <laughs> I meant to ask you this, so we'll wrap up with this, even though I've said that like three times already. Um, do you have a specific schedule as far as your Twitch streaming goes, or is it kind of randomized? It's kind of random um, because I... Well, I want to get it as a more set schedule, maybe like once or twice a week, once I get everything in the house like put together. But with everything going on with the pandemic, where I got laid off and everything, I have spent the past couple weeks putting my house back together. It's amazing how much time you have to clean when you don't have to go to work. So now that I have everything together and the house is finally clean and my laundry is done and all this other stuff, then I'm going to try and stream a couple of times a week and I'll put a schedule on my Twitch page so that people can kind of like have a better idea. Yeah. of when it'll be. Um, you know, cause it's, it's an interesting process to watch. Like, I, I wouldn't be streaming my paintings if I was just doing, like, normal types of paintings because there's a thousand streams like that. But the process that I do this stuff with is really interesting because, like, my next thing I'm going to be doing is making the boat that goes on this painting. And the boat is, like, a, I don't know, an eight-sail schooner that I'm going to have to make each individual sail and each individual tiny little piece of rope and like the, the little tiny porthole windows and everything. So it's kind of an interesting process to watch because I like build these things like out of the paper before I put them onto the actual thing. Uh, so I, th- I think it's pretty, it's pretty neat. That's cool. And uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I haven't seen anyone else doing this type of thing. I've seen a lot of paper artists out there, but I haven't seen, anybody doing exactly what I'm doing. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm digging that. It's, and it is different. Um, tell people one more time where all they can find you. All right. My Instagram is Mandy Wild Painting. Yep. M-A-N-D-I-W-I-L-D Painting. And then my Twitch handle is Art in the Wild. No spaces or anything. Just all one word. Art in the Wild. Uh, twitch.tv and then I also have a Facebook page that I literally never use that is linked to my Instagram so you can find my Facebook through my Instagram if you want to subscribe to my personal Instagram and see updates about my dog and paintings at the same time then that is Sybil Cup S-Y-B-I-L-C-U-P Sybil Cup on Instagram cool well you know thank you again the Nate Show Five Timers Club member Mandy Wild. <laughs> Expect a very small trophy for being. Um, I'll come up with something. I'll come up with a little something. I can make that happen. Right. Um, but yeah, thanks again for taking time out of your day and out of your art to uh, chat with me. Absolutely, it's always fun talking. For sure, and um, I'm sure you and I will be sending each other memes pretty much as soon as we get off of here. But yeah, thanks again for for joining the show today, the Isolate Show. Absolutely. Yeah, I sent it. That's really funny, by the way. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs>